Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast, and I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to become like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with His best looks like, and that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get access to a library of Bible study content and biblically-based coaching resources that will help you align your life with his best. On this episode, I am joined once again by my dear friend, Kaylee Kelch. Thank you, Kaylee, for joining us today. You're welcome. It's good to be back together. It is good to be back together. And we are recording this in the middle of June, end of June, Mm -hmm. uh, when we were supposed to be together in person. I know. So we're, we're a bit weepy, probably, yes. the, the two of us already, that we're not together, and we're not together because uh, of some family medical things that are going on on my end with extended family and needing to just be present for that. So uh, life happens. Uh, it does. Best laid plans turn out differently than we expected. Yeah, it throws us a lot of disappointments, but um, as we both said this morning when we got on, at least we can be on Zoom together, and so, I don't know, you just keep looking for the blessings, right? Right, right, being the gift and being present, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, we've even tried to record this episode more than one time already, yeah. and have had it canceled, uh, and I think that the timing of it is pretty remarkable, so... Uh, we are going to be talking about necessary endings and new beginnings, uh, which I love that expression uh, of necessary endings, and I confess it's not my own. I picked it up from Dr. Henry Cloud, who has written a book by that title, Necessary Endings. Uh, and the, the neat thing about this is that I bought this book back in October, November, Mm-hmm. And had it sit on my shelf and think, you know, I'll read it when the, I'm done with the semester of grad school. I'll read it, you know, keep putting it off. And was going through some difficult things. If anybody follows my social media, they, they know I've been walking through some deep waters. And I was at the chiropractor getting my back adjusted. And, I, you know, he and I talk. He's also a believer. And he's like, have you read the book Necessary Endings? And I was like interesting I pulled it off my shelf this morning and I had been making some decisions about things that needed to come to an end but was lacking confidence uh, mm. in doing in doing that um, and and he, he's like yeah that that's a good book and sure enough I opened up and started reading the next day and it was everything the Lord had been talking to me about to the detail of the metaphor wow. which was remarkable. And so I, I just sat there like, okay, God, this is what I needed. I needed a confirmation for, from you. And for those of you who have been following along with more to be, and have been a part of the community that they have, and and who take the time to read the email, the 20% of you, uh, of the list of 10,000 that actually opens the email and reads it, uh, knows that I have um, made the decision to no longer teach the coach training course, which breaks my heart still right yeah so it's been such a big part of your life a huge part of my life i've been teaching this course for eight years wow eight years eight of the ten years i've been coaching i've been teaching this course and i um you know more to be it's going to be 10 in september 
Uh, and so I, I just, first off, number one, I don't do anything that long except for being married and keeping friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I am a envision, create, launch, quit, right? That is my MO. Um, and, and speaking of which, the, one of the things that's come to a necessary ending besides coach training is the let go and live Bible study. I, right. I had made this commitment that I was going to sustain this for a year uh, and decided in this needing to prune, which we're going to talk about, that that is one of the things that needs to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, primarily because God is reminding me to be present with him. Right. And that not everything needs to be something that I share publicly. Right. And he needs to take me through a journey that is private. And the let go and live was becoming a private journey that was becoming a public journey that mm -hmm. then became a public task and no longer a private journey. And so sense. I need I need to just be like, yep, not going to do that. Um, but any anyway, so kind of going back to this, how did I arrive at the decision to end coach training? Um, some of what is happening in my behind the scenes life is uh, wearing so many hats that I can't balance and, and missing out on quality over quantity. Right. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure there's like a hundred people right now that are thinking, yeah, duh. <laughs> right? Isn't that how we just live our lives? I know. And it's how people expect that I live my life. I get that I all know. Uh, you do so much. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you're not dying. Well, um, I, God's grace is my strength and right. my portion. And he sustains what I do. And I have mm -hmm. an incredibly supportive family and husband and um, with very low expectations on, on me. Uh, I, right. I have higher expectations on myself than my family has on me. <laughs> um, I can relate. Yeah, right. I think many women can really. Yeah, and, I think you're probably right. Yeah. And so some of the challenge has been going through this year of graduate school for clinical counseling and learning about, you know, attachment issues, which we've talked about on the podcast previously. And I'll, I'll put some links in for those episodes. But but really having an understanding of how our childhood experiences and relationships Mm -hmm. shape us and and how that shaping of us creates a value system a belief system a habit of responding and and really coming to terms with that and saying okay this is what I've done this is how I've lived but is this what I want to continue is this really mm -hmm. I've been asking the question God how do I align with your best over and over and over again um, and we happen to be in a situation that we could take a huge step of faith and say, okay, we're going to cut this out of the business. If need be, we're going to end this ministry um, for the sake of my emotional and spiritual and physical well-being and that of our family. Right. Um, so, I, you know, necessary endings ha has come into it's not easy. And, and there's two mm -hmm. ways that we want to talk about this today that makes it relevant to those who are listening. I, I really want to model how to make decisions mm -hmm. on how do you how do you come to decide something must be over, uh, if especially if you are fighting against a quitter mentality. Uh, sure. 
I, I think that is one thing that we can explore. I want to share, you know, Cloud's uh, rosebush illustration, which God spoke to me about a decade ago and, and brought it up again. And then also want to look at John 15 and, and Joshua 3. I think we're going to go in and out of those. But before we get there, um, I want to put you on the spot. When you, you've been walking this road with me day by day, mm-hmm. what, I'm, I'm really putting you on the spot here. What do you see has been my biggest challenge? Totally honest, like Lisa, your biggest struggle in making this decision is. Wow. Rat me out. I want everybody to hear it. I'm trying to think of, of what I really think has been the biggest struggle. Um, I think a couple things, honestly, is that I think there's the level of like you are committed and driven and you do love teaching. And so there was this this draw and this pull and, you know, wanting to keep the business going. And, and so there was like that big decision kind of overarching of like, do I step out? And that became kind of a faith thing of like how, and, and like the will of God, like, how do I know is this, do I, do I make this step and is it a step out in faith or do I need to wait till there's more like signs or doors open or like there's a plan in place. And I think, I think we all struggle with that because we feel better when we have a plan and we know what the next step is versus like, okay, I'm, you know, getting this sense and I have this feeling and I'm going to go ahead and, and take that step without having all of the other 10 steps mapped out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do feel like there was a portion in time where you were really wrestling with that. And how do I know whether I'm allowed to do this in a sense? How do I know if I'm being released and, and yeah. that God's like saying, okay, you can move on. Um, and I think that's what honestly though locks a lot of us as Christians because we're wanting to follow God's will and we want to stay within his plan that we get we locked into like how do I know when I'm supposed to make that step and and we don't necessarily then follow our intuition which holy spirit because we're like it's this battle of like how do I know how do I know mm-hmm. um yeah I think yeah. that was one of the bigger struggles or challenges that I feel like I watched you kind of trying to navigate. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I would say, you know, trusting God and wanting to please Him and and mm-hmm. um, obey Him. Uh, I've made decisions in the past that I thought were His will that that didn't go the way I thought His will would would go. <laughs> And then that has made me look back in the moment of those failures. It has been, I, I heard God wrong in the long game. I could look back and see how God used that for a purpose I didn't know he was about to accomplish. Right. Um, and so, well, you know, practically speaking, something I've been doing, I mean, going to you, I've ha- I have probably a core group of about five women that I seek their counsel and their prayer about. My husband and I are in regular conversation uh, about about these things. And so I, I, you know, I'm a writer, no surprise. So I have a Google document and I had mm-hmm. set up a Google document when I went into graduate school of like a five-year plan. And I, I'm not a big planner that way, long-term. Right. I do actually just kind of like, I don't know what's gonna happen. I'll be in the moment. 
But I needed to get some kind of plan because I knew by the time I get to my fourth year of graduate school, I'll have a 20-hour a week internship. Okay. And I knew I can't sustain what I'm doing and right. do that at the same time. So what I started doing is, you know, I had these bullet points, but I started every time I felt overwhelmed and like I, I needed to quit everything, which is my black and white thinking. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Over. <laughs> Hang up the shingle. We're out. Um, I, I just started recording the date and the prayer. And every time I felt this kind of energy from God of like a vision for what more to be should be or a vision for myself, I would put it date and prayer it. And one thing I know for sure is my hormones uh, do quite a doozy on me and, and I'm prepared to go see a doctor in a couple of weeks to kind of address those issues. Um, so I have made a commitment to not make decisions at high highs or low lows. Yeah. And smart. yeah. And so, you know, it has to be something that I feel for more than six months, even mm-hmm. like if I still feel this way in six months, we could begin to move in action on that. And, right. and those checks and balances have been very helpful in, in making decisions. And, and so it got to the place where Stephen and I started looking at, well, what will be the financial implications of cutting out this source of sure. income? Uh, and, and then, how are we going to change our budget? And you know, we met with our financial advisor to find out if we could make some changes that we had in mind just to get his perspective. He also happens to be a believer. So he he is primarily concerned about us honoring God more than anything else. And that mm-hmm. is super helpful to be matched core value-wise with somebody who we're seeking wisdom from. Yeah. Um, and so we made the decision as though, and this is one of my best pieces of advice if anybody wants to take it, and I got it from somebody years ago, make the decision like it's the decision without telling anybody and live okay. with live with the consequences of those decisions for 30 days. And I that was so helpful because what God began to do, so I we were actually away for a weekend when I made the decision and had the whole support of the family. And at that time, my decision was I was completely ending more to be as of June 30th. Uh, and, and everybody was like, okay, this is what we're doing. So I started writing the letter to the more to be community and to the more to be coaches. And I started, you know, processing out what would get phased out and how would it get Mm -hmm. phased out. Uh, and, and as I started doing that, I realized that's not the answer. I still love coaching. I still love doing the podcast. Um, and I, there are things I want to continue to be able to do, but there are areas of running this business that have become, uh, and I hate calling it a business because to me it's a ministry, but it's a business. Right. I have to file taxes. I have a corporate right. entity. Like it's a business. Yeah. Every ministry is a business, right? Um, and, and so at the end of the day, I have to pay my bills and how was I going to be able to keep this afloat and pay the bills? And I mm-hmm. still don't have the answer to that question. Right. And that's where faith really has started to come into play. Um, and so in making that decision, I started saying, well, we could eliminate this, but keep this, eliminate this, keep that. And then necessary endings came my way. And so Cloud talks about a rose bush and the pruning of a rose bush uh, mm-hmm. to keep it thriving. And interestingly enough, this was about 12 years ago. Uh, we lived, it was back when we lived at the boarding school. Right. Uh, I had a, a thriving and growing blog called Extravagant Grace. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was homeschooling Leah, uh, and I was preparing the next steps to pursue traditional publishing. And I was out in this garden, this house that we lived in. The the man that lived there before bought a rose bush for his wife for every anniversary and birthday. Oh my word! Yes. And so there was this really large garden of rose bushes wow. and Marvin had passed away, Dorothy had passed away and we were the second people who lived in the house. So there was this responsibility to preserve this rose garden. Yeah. Talk about pressure. I know, really. So I'm out there doing, we, we learned how to prune roses. We learned yeah, how to deadhead. Roses can be very fickle. Very fickle. <laughs> uh, and, and the Lord said to me, Lisa, you continue going in the direction you're going and you will have as many rose bushes and no blooms because you don't have the bandwidth to take care of all of them. Mm-hmm. Or you can do some hard and fast pruning in your life. And 12 years ago, and I said, Lord, I want, I want vibrant rose bushes, even if there's just a few. And, right. and he's like, well, you got one in the house right now. You're homeschooling that, that needs tending to. Mm-hmm. And you've got three others and a husband. And so you need to end extravagant grace. A clear as day. Like, I know it sounds weird sometimes to hear from the Lord that clearly, but it, it was mm-hmm. like, and so I ran in the house. I called my husband. I said, I think the Lord said I need to end extravagant grace. He's like, well, I don't want to be standing next to you if you disobey. <laughs> and I ended that day. I ended extravagant grace. Mm-hmm. And that year was one of the sweetest years of my life um, of time with Leah. Makes me cry as she's, this year has been very sweet with her living home before she gets married. Um, And the parallels are kind of crazy. Yeah, and out of that year bloomed more to be. Mm. A year, almost a year later, more to be was launched. And it was exactly what it needed to be when it needed to be it. And right. so that pruning has been something that's been very clear to me mm-hmm. of God's work. So fast forward to today and, uh, you know, we got the puppy ab- about nine weeks ago right. and on the way to take her out to the bathroom multiple times a day, there is one rose bush in this garden that we inherited one mm-hmm. that is horrible looking it is the most neglected pathetic rose bush and it was killing me because it only had a few blooms and every time we'd go by our puppy would snap and 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 knock the petals off the rose (laughs) because it's like hanging over the path it's like and I was every day I was like oh lord the rose bush needs pruning the rose bush needs pruning <laughs> and so this one morning as I'm like in this season of what needs to change right. uh, I'm thinking about this rose bush he takes me back to the memory of years ago and the benefits of of pruning and and I said lord I'm willing I'm willing to be pruned and right. and I felt him very much say I release you from from all that you're doing and the way that you're doing it and it was the first time I felt permission to end more to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, at that moment, I thought that was what was going to happen. Right, the whole thing. The whole thing. I thought it was going to be over. So Cloud talks about, I opened to this first chapter, <laughs> and it's titled Pruning. 
Uh, actually, chapter two, because I had already read chapter one when I had picked it up last time. Okay. And so chapter two reads, pruning, growth depends on getting rid of the unwanted or superfluous. And he talks about there are three ways to prune. Uh, you can prune the healthy buds or branches that are not the best ones. Okay. Uh, you can prune the sick branches that are not going to get well. Mm -hmm. And you can prune the dead branches that are taking up space needed for the healthy ones to thrive. Makes sense. And he, he, you know, the take home for me in these three types of pruning, which he goes into in detail, is what is thriving? Like, what does, what do you want your bush to look like? Right. And I'd even expand it. What do you want that bush in that garden to look like? Right. So I made a list with three columns <laughs> of what was, what, you know, going back excuse me, to what he said, you know, what were the healthy buds or branches? Literally, what was thriving? Mm -hmm. um, what were sick branches that are not going to get well? Uh, and what are dead branches that are taking up the needed space? And, you know, some things that, that showed up on there were social media for me is, mm -hmm. a, is a total burden. Yeah. Um, and so at the moment, I had listened to another podcast of friends at me and I thought that's it I'm totally done with social media the more to be Facebook page is dying and what the Lord has since shown me is that the way I was doing needs to die but I can I can do it differently and and you know yesterday I sat down and I scheduled out content for a month and it was actually invigorating because I was really thinking about I was engaging with the content thinking about who am I serving with this content and that felt rewarding. Right. Right. Um, so basically what I did was I put things in three different categories. And mm -hmm. even though coach training is thriving and even though coach training is something that uh, people are still referring, you know, to, to me to do and and say right. I'm a fantastic teacher and, and this course is amazing. What I bring to it is amazing. There are aspects to it that that made me realize in terms of time and in values, mm. um, this piece needed to come to an end. And, and it wasn't until I made the decision, and this was so neat to me, it wasn't until I made the decision and I conveyed it to Life Breakthrough and they were like, we're so grateful for all the years of service mm. and lots of love kind of back and forth with them. Um, that, that the Lord began to show me, yeah, but you can support women who want to become coaches before they even make the investment into the course right. with the coach prep program. Because one of my struggles in all these years of teaching has been not every person should expect to become a thriving coach out of this course right. or any course. There's so much more to launching a successful coaching practice yeah. than just the skill set. And so with the coach prep program, I will be able to help women who want to find out, mm -hmm. should they pursue this? And if so, what is the reality check that they need mm -hmm. to move forward? And something that Cloud um, says often is past, per past performance predicts present reality. Like what... And so that is something that we can explore one-on-one -on -one together is like, what, what are other things that you've launched and grown? What, how do you like to serve people? What parts mm -hmm. of that drains you? How are, are you at business and marketing? And, and figure that out. So really, 
serve women in a different way than, than how I've been mm -hmm. serving. And then the other side of it is more time to actually coach clients, which is why I became a coach in the first place, right? It's to be able to work one-on-one. -on -one, and a lot of that has been put on hold because there, there's You're just, teaching. yeah, I, I, I've been teaching three to four hours a week. And, yeah. and if I have 10 or, or 12 students in a class and I have to do for every coaching feedback, that's at 45 minutes of time. Oh, yeah. So then I was hitting this cycle of every three weeks, I would have an extra 15 hours worth of work, you know, yeah. and with grad school and projects. Yeah, it's a lot. That was too much. It was too much. So um, I think, well, I've, I've talked for a while, but that's kind of the length of that story. Any Anything you want to add or share or reflect on before we uh, turn into that the scriptures? I think um, I think it's just the idea that everybody like pruning looks different in everybody's life. Yeah. And because based on your circumstances, and I think it is easy. You said something at the beginning that kind of made me think you're like people are like, I don't know how you do it, and I get that comment too. And the thing is, is that this is my life, you know, and these are the yeah. things that I choose to invest in. And for other people, it lost them. Yeah. And similarly, I've, I have a, another friend who's a nurse and, you know, she's like, Oh my word, I would hate your job because you're like always on in a sense. And, you know, you got kids who need things or people who want to talk. And she's like, I go in and I'm, done in 12 hours and I come home and I walk away completely from my work. Yeah. There is something that sounds beautiful about that idea of walking away from it. And yet I would hate being in a hospital. Like yes. that's not me. And I'm not yeah. wired to, I, I like taking care of people, but not in that context and not in the medical or the blood and guts and everything else that goes with it. Like I wouldn't thrive in that environment. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we have to remember as we look at pruning it's so easy to try to look at what somebody else is doing in their life because yeah. we feel lost. And so it's like, well, she's taking this out or she's, she's cut out all volunteering at church or maybe at her mm -hmm. kid's school. And, and so we think, well, maybe I should just like stop what I'm doing at church. Well, maybe what though, what you're doing at church isn't what's draining and that's what actually gives you life yeah. and you need to cut out something else that's maybe part of work or maybe it's a hobby that's just taking way too much time and it's actually not fulfilling you. You know, you're just kind of doing it because that's what you've always done. Yeah. So I think it's, it's remembering so different and personal and we need to take stock of our own situation and our values and, and what is, you know, taking our time and honestly, listening to, to you, what you've taken out, you've actually added though, some things in, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so sometimes when we take something out, it's not that just like, okay, now that's all completely out of my life. Well, that's out of your life, but maybe that means that something else is able to be inserted back into your life. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe not even just inserted back in, but like something brand new. Yeah. But by taking out a portion that is more draining. Yeah. It actually, so I guess maybe what I'm, I'm trying to get at is maybe it's not a time thing. 
you know, because yeah. I think sometimes we're like, if I take out this aspect that takes up 10 hours of my week, yeah. then it's going to free up all this time and I'm going to be re- able to relax or have more me time. And maybe that is what you need. Yeah. But maybe that 10 hours that you're getting rid of, you're actually going to replace it with something else that's 10 hours, but it's going to fill you so much. Yeah. And it's going, you're going to feel like you're in your sweet spot. Yeah. And so I think that's, you know, just figuring out that balance and, and maybe it is, you need five hours of me time. And that means yeah. downtime to read or to meditate or something else, but it could very likely be that that five hours means that you might be jumping into a new ministry, but that is going to, you know, help actually bring you to the next level in your life because it's going to feed you. Yeah. Yeah. That makes and sense. I- Oh, a hundred percent. I love the emphasis on don't try to prune like somebody else's bush, right? Yeah. Like it, it really has to be your, your own thing. I mean, another factor for me on the coach training and, and this is really, really important. Like values, values, values. I mean, taught it in the coach training. I right. do it with clients. It's like one of my core values is being present for my children. Right. Right. And so this last season I was missing my mm-hmm. son's baseball games mm-hmm. because I, you know, would have coach training in the evening. Caitlin right. couldn't go to her riding lessons because I had coach training. And so, right. um, I, I kept on looking and noticing, I think this is really important, noticing the places where there were core value conflicts yeah. for me to show up as a, as a, the professional that I want to be with integrity right. meant I wasn't showing up where I wanted to have integrity in, in my motherhood. Right. And, you know, I was looking at these two kids who I have, they're going to be juniors. Good night. Right. I know. Uh, I've got two years left with them. Uh, just as a side note, the only thing worse than delivering two babies at the same time is that they're both getting their driver's permit at the same time. Ew. And they both want to start dating at the same time. <laughs> okay. So like, yeah, that w- I did not bargain for that. Okay. <laughs> Just emotional saying. space for that. Right. <laughs> the emotional space I need, the emotional space that I need to be yes. able to help them learn how to drive, yeah. to be able to be around for conversations, to spend yeah. time with whoever they like and, and, and build those relationships. And so, you know, coaching clients, I can tuck into Correct. individual sessions and, I love the rapport I have with my clients and their grace for my values. It's part of the reason I think they choose to work with me mm-hmm. that I could say, Hey, this came up. Would it be okay? And I try not to do that on a regular basis, but I can't do that to a class of 10, right? Yeah. Of like, right. sorry, teachers out. Right. See you in two weeks, you know, yeah. like, um, and so, so it really became a, a value of, time. And I think what happens when we get older is we realize that life goes faster than we had hoped Mm -hmm. for. Our drives change. Um, Our fears maybe get worse in some areas and lessen (laughs) in other areas. Right. Uh, And so, you know, looking at John, um, why why am I Matthew here? Uh, Where did that passage go? I had it open. John um, 15. Is it John 15 or John 14? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we, vine. Oh, there it is. Yeah, John 15. You know, it's cliche, but I think it's important to talk about what does our master gardener do and how does right. he respond? And so 
you know, verse one says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit. So it will produce more fruit. Like God is not afraid of cutting off where there's not going to be the intended growth. Mm -hmm. Right. So this, this rose bush that I had out here that was, had a bloom on the end of it. It wasn't growing where we wanted it to grow to. Right. And it, as hard as that is, right, you have to cut it back, mm-hmm. right? Um, so verse three, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. (sighs) thing like god wants to produce more in us yes but sometimes that means taking some things out of our life so that he can do more i mean like as you were talking about ending extravagant grace like that was something that was thriving yeah and yet when it was removed within less than a year it wasn't like you're not allowed to have an online ministry anymore it's Mm -hmm. just that that for that season ended and then more to be came into play And, and that was, I mean, in, in relative terms, it was a fairly short turnaround in the sense of like, take this away. And yet sometimes we need that restart or we need that refocus or, you know, for you being able to really focus on the kids for those months, but he still brought something back into your life that has produced more fruit. Oh my word. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Beyond my wildest dreams. Right. And that's going to happen again, like as yeah. it prunes this out in the teaching side of things, like God's not like, okay, take this out and now just sit and don't do anything. Yeah. You know, he wants us to be productive. He, he wants us to, um, to thrive and to continue to take his message of love to other people. And yeah. so he just brings that about in different ways at different stages in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting is that you going back to extravagant grace. So that year, not only did I homeschool Leah, but this woman, Brooke, showed up on the scene, marched into my life, and basically said, I'm going to be your friend. And I was like, no, thank you. I was grieving because one of my best friends had just moved from mm. the school. And I mean, I was like, I ain't getting close to anybody. I'm done with this. She was such a little bully, <laughs> like the best of ways. And she just pushed herself into my life. And she said, and I'm coming over once a week and we're going to have time together, Bible study time together. And Leah's going to watch my kids while you and I sit and talk Jesus and the word. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the most healing relationships I'd ever yeah. had. And interestingly enough, I was thinking about becoming a coach or going to graduate school to become a therapist. And right. I mean, that's how long that dream is. Yeah. And and she kind of routed me away from that. She said, there's more work that God needs to do in you before you're ready to do counseling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here's the sweetness of this all. 
I haven't seen Brooke in, she moved that year. I saw her six years ago when we moved here. Okay. Six weeks ago, she calls me and she's like, I'm going to be in town. Can I come see you? That's so cool. And so I sat with her in this office on this couch for, you know, four hours talking about what God had done mm-hmm. and how he had done it. And, and it, you know, it's just, it's, I almost feel like it's the Lord's little, like, I see you, I know you, I have a plan for you, even when you can't figure it out. And, and that, that really brings me, um, you know, I would say it's important to go back and read the rest of this chapter because I, I, we're not going to dive into it now, but it really sets up the picture of the pruning is just one part of what God's equation is because mm-hmm. the next section really talks about the call to love one another. Yeah. And for me, that was a big factor in the decision making. Like, how was I loving God during mm-hmm. this season? How am I loving my husband? How am I loving the kids? How am I loving my friends? You know, and even how am I loving myself? Right. And and that as a filter Mm -hmm. was part of the decision-making process of, Lord, what do you need to cut out so that I can love better? Um, And then the last part of this passage um, uh, talks about the the work of the Holy Spirit and the advocate. And so Mm -hmm. I... The, the reminder that we're not making these decisions alone, but under the counsel of the Holy Spirit and, and his support. Um, but where I want to go is something that you have quoted to me often in the last six months. I know you've shared it before on the podcast in without going into too much detail. Uh, and I feel like we need to revisit it again because actually this is all your fault, possibly. <laughs> But you you shared with us that the importance of putting our feet in the water right. and then watching God what God will do. Right. And and so set that up. Like okay. bring us well, to and that I wanna take, I think this all goes together in bookends, but as you were talking about the end of John fifteen and the call to love others and love God, you know, it's that full circle effect. I think that's really where when we look at what God's will is like that's where we stop yeah is it's about love and so many times we you know is it God's will that I take this job is it God's will that I move is it God's will that I have a child you know we look at all of these things and like our individual decisions and we say is that God's will yeah but I think when we step back and we look at it from the perspective of how am I loving God and how am I loving those around me, my family, and then my extended community, yeah. and how am I loving them well, does this decision allow me to continue to operate in that realm or does it take me away from that? Mm-hmm. Then I feel like there's a different level of freedom in that versus like the pigeonholing of like, am I supposed to move to Chattanooga or not? Yeah. Well, does God necessarily like have this strange desire, whether I move to Chattanooga or not, like, I believe that he will bring good things out of that move. But like, does that sever a relationship with my family because I'm moving away when I, you know, have elderly parents who need to be taken care of in the current town I'm living in? You know, I think that there's all these factors that we need to take into consideration when we're making decisions versus like, is there a, 
sometimes I'm don't get me wrong. Like I do feel like sometimes just God gives us a sign or he speaks mm -hmm. a really clear word. But I think a lot of times in what trips us up is that we get stuck on, you know, mm -hmm. pour, pour out that rainbow from heaven and tell me that this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And he's yeah. like, I've given you a brain to think through this. And yeah. are you loving me and loving the people around you? And does this decision hinder or enhance that? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So okay, then so. this idea and this concept of like, then, so when we, when we feel like we have that clarity of like, this decision allows me to love God and to love the people around me. And I don't feel like there's any blockade to that. Then it's still that though, like, ah, okay, it's scary. And I don't have everything made sure. And, and, and again, that getting caught of like, well, but does God want this or not? So then I feel like there's times that then we, God is saying, take that step of faith, step yeah. out. I know you don't have all the answers in place, but like move forward, like yeah. be bold and confident in this decision. Okay. So setting it up, when we look at Joshua three, mm. it actually, when you were saying unnecessary um, endings, like <laughs> Moses's life had just come to an end. Mm. Like there was a necessary ending to Moses's time on earth and to his leadership in Israel. Mm. And yet scary moments, not saying mm. that God was like pruning Moses out because he loved Moses and Moses had served him. I mean, he was, you know, a faithful yeah. servant. Yeah. But like Moses's time came to an end and that mm. was scary for all of Israel. Right. And yet Joshua had been serving alongside him. And now it was like his time to step into the role of like the main leader. Necessary endings and new beginnings. Right. So like Joshua is stepping into this new beginning and all of Israel is stepping into this new beginning because they have Joshua as their leader and they're like on the cusp of entering into the promised land, which they've been waiting for for 40 years now. So like there's all these new beginnings and yet new beginnings are scary. <laughs> so scary, right? So here they are. Um, and, and God has reiterated multiple times now, um, do not fear, be courageous, mm -hmm. be strong. You know, I think he's, he's setting them up like the pep talk <laughs> in the locker room of like, you've got yeah. this, you can do this, you know, hold tight. It's gonna yeah. be a bumpy road, but like, I'm with you. Yeah. So then um, they come to the edge of the Jordan River, and this is in chapter three. Mm. And they have to cross the Jordan River in order to get into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And yet we find that um, it's at flood stage. Like wow. it's harvest time and the water is overflowing. It says in verse uh, four, 15 that is overflowing its banks. <sighs> okay, so, so 16, stop for a second. Yeah. This is totally for me and everybody's just getting a privy, privy to my therapy session at the moment. I think the thing I've been saying to the Lord for the last seven to 10 weeks is I feel like I'm swimming in dark waters mm. and I, I like my head is barely above the water and I feel like not only am I barely staying above my head above the water, but it's so dark. I can't see anything. And I have had, you know, I've described it as like, I can hear his voice and I know he's there on the bank and I know that Steven mm -hmm. is there and I know my support system is there and they're saying, here, I'm throwing the life preserver, but I can't, I can't see it. Right. 
right? It's dark water. It's not just deep waters, it's dark waters. Um, and, and in one of my first therapy sessions that I went to, I started up again, the new therapist, uh, and, and we're using a technique called EMDR, which is fantastic. I'm going to put I'll put a link to what that's about because I still Mm -hmm. can't sufficiently explain it. Um, but in that the Lord was saying, I'm not asking you to swim to shore, just float in my arms. Mm -hmm. Let me hold you in these dark waters. It's not always time to get out of the dark waters. Right. Sometimes you need to trust me in the dark waters. Right. So anyways, I, I'm in my mind when you mind's eye when you're describing the banks overflowing, that that turbulent water, that the, the rushing of a f- overflowing stream mm-hmm. is how I I feel like that describes what my life has felt like. Right. Keep going. Well, and you think about like a a, fl- a river at flood stage is not a clear, crystal clear river that like no. you want to enter. It's no. turbulent. It's dark because it's stirred up all the dirt and the silt. So it's a scary thing to look at. Ugh. And unlike when they part, when Moses parted the Red Sea, or when God parted the Red Sea through Moses, like he told Moses to stretch out his hands and stretch out his rod. And then God parted it. Yeah. There wasn't, and I can only imagine like, and this is again, what we talked about that we, we want to look to everybody else's pruning, or we want to see how somebody else mm-hmm. did it, or we want to read in the Bible that this is what it happened. And so God, I'm going to hold on to this because you did it this way before. So you're going to do it for me. And I can't, you know, were these, these kids and grandkids going, all right, where's the staff? Where's the arm raised? The water's just going to mm-hmm. part and we'll make it across. And yet that's not how God operated this time. He's Mm -hmm. like, and we find, and um, so verse 15, we'll pick it up. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near uh, Zarathon. And the water below that point floated, flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Mm. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Mm. Um, I'll go on in a second, but I want to quick, like, again, so it took the priest stepping and putting their feet into that water that was up on the, you know, the shore before Mm-hmm. the miracle started to happen yeah. for like yeah. the plan started to unfold. And so this is where I think, you know, sometimes it's, it's, and we talk about it, you know, in Christian yeah. vernacular, we take that step of faith. Right. right, well, right. I think this is honestly, that's, that's this piece, right. Is that yeah. we don't have all the answers all the time, but we take one step forward. Yeah. Um, yep. And that that's when God acts and, he didn't act in all realms, right? He didn't suddenly like clear all the towns of the promised land of people in one poof because they stepped foot into the river. Right, right, right. He took right. care of one thing. Yeah. And so that one thing that he took care of was, okay, you need to get across to the other side. So I'm going to take care of the water. Yeah. They've had so many other steps once they reached, you know, the other side into Jericho. Yeah. That they had to go through. Yeah. But I think, as you said, like this idea of you just want to get to the other side of the yeah. the river and like, let me swim across or whatever. And that, you know, that revelation from God of like, 
just rest in my arms and just float. Like I've got you, we're going to stay in the water for a little bit, but I've got you. Yeah. And I think it's always coming back to that idea of like, are we able to rest in the fact that God has us? I know, which has been, you know, as you were describing the floodwaters uh, and the turbulent and the, what it kicks up from the ground. I mean, that's some of what has happened. There's been some real situations that I'm just not privy to talk about yet. It's not just my story um, that has turned up right. things and, and I have choices. I can try to outrun those things by working harder and um, pushing things further and, mm-hmm. you know, saying I'm going to just get out of this. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, no, you've turned this up, Lord, and it sucks, pardon my French, but it does and I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to right. uh, heal at a deeper level. I'm going mm-hmm. to... Uh, become more of who you wanted me to be, Mm -hmm. to be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus through the stripping away of the old self and the putting on of the new self. Right. Uh, And honestly, that just takes bandwidth. It does. And it takes time. Time. It takes time to go to a therapy appointment or a coaching appointment. It takes time having a conversation with a friend who can hold that part of your story tenderly and not heap shame onto it. It it takes time to do the things like physical exercise that's good for the body's mental healing and to eat in a a healthy meal and not just a drive through and to have prayer time that's not rushed. Like healing of our heart and soul takes action of our mind and body to bring it out the other side. And if I want to lead more to be the way I think it ought to be led, and if I want to serve clients in a coaching context and in the future in a counseling context, this is as vital to my education yes. as as the actual head knowledge is, right? And so... Well, you think about it, Joshua led with Moses for how many years? Like that was vital yeah. to his education before yeah. he stepped into the role. Yeah. Just as much as Moses's 40 years as a shepherd were vital to his role before he stepped into leading a whole nation. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, you know, with my story, it's it's both me in the floodwaters and me right. stepping and me right. on the shore stepping in. I and, mean, the the changing of the business model and the changing of how I use my time and the changing of how we use our resources is very much like, well, I think this might work, but God, you've shown up so far. Right. I I had two friends over the other night that are are really dear to me and, and they said, um, he hasn't failed you. And both of them said, and we're not adding the yet onto that song, right? right? Like yes. he's not failed you, period, exclamation period. point. Like he's not failed you. He's not going to fail you. Yeah. It just may not be what you expect it to look like. And that's where I feel like my expectations are, I don't have expectations. I'm floating. Well, and, and I think that's, I mean, that's a good place to be because often yeah. we have the expectations or, and and that's what gets us in trouble. Well, yeah. in fact, that I mean, honestly, that's what got them in trouble after they defeat Jericho, right? They go yeah. to AI and try to defeat that on their own because they thought, yeah. well, I defeated this other town and, you know, they find themselves in trouble. But real quick, I want to look at this yeah. other part is verse six, uh, 17. Of yeah, yeah. Three. 
So meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Hmm. Um, and then uh, jumping to chapter yes. four, verse four. Yes. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the Ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm. We will use these stones to build a memorial. Mm. Um, so when I think about this, you know, this idea, and I think this is where, like, we have to keep looking for how God's led in the past. And as you said, with your friends sitting there and say, God hasn't failed you, period. Yeah. Um, we have to keep those those moments in consideration when, especially mm -hmm. when we're up against these moments of faith where we don't have the answers or we feel like we're in over our heads in deep mm -hmm. waters. And mm -hmm. like you said, you know, that picture of like God's on the bank and you're like, where are you? I can't feel you or see you. And yet he's like, I'm right here, whether he's in, the, I mean, I, I believe he's always right there with us. And like you said, yeah. you know, floating there and holding you. Um, these weren't just though like when it says that they had to put the stone up yeah. on their shoulder yeah like that's a large stone yes it's not like let yeah. me just carry it in my hands and i'm gonna walk across like that had to have been a big rock and so you think yeah. about it too is they're crossing that this what's dry now i mean yeah. they're still they're navigating maybe over rocks i don't know how i've never been to the jordan river i don't know if it's like yeah. a full rock riverbed or whether it's these scattered stones, but this picture and this idea that even when God parts the water, we still have to navigate around hard things. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get tripped up on those hard things because once again, we're like, okay, God part the water. Then we think when he does that, that there must be something wrong with that decision because there's still hard things mm -hmm. or we want him to clear every, every hard thing. Mm -hmm. Um, or yeah, it's easy to give up then and be like, why is this still an issue? Yeah. yeah. And yet he's saying, no, I want you to take those hard things and I want you to build this memorial because you're going to keep remembering. And I want you to go back that I have parted the water Yeah. and I have made a way and that I will keep making a way even when you feel like there isn't one. Yeah. Um, I'll give up. I, I love mean, I it. I guess that's where I kind of yeah, no, I absolutely think that. And you were sharing that with me right before we got on and I got really emotional. And, and this is why I, um, for the last week since I started making this announcement and, and moving in this direction of the changes that I'm making, I keep on finding rocks that are, look like hearts, but they're upside down. Oh, uh, and so this has been, you know, this is like a, this is like a Lisa thing for years. I, I see hearts in rocks and I collect them That's so and, cool. and, and, you know, from like our first anniversary trip, like found this beautiful heart shaped rock, but the number that I have seen that have been upside down hearts. And when I pick them up, they don't quite look the same. I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? And Stephen and I were out on a walk on Sunday night. I'm like, look, there's another one. There's another one there. He's like, what is going on? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And, and yet the reason the heart is so significant to me, this, a stone heart is so significant to me is because when, um, 
this is years ago, when I first read the Bible for myself, I read the book of Ezekiel. Mm. The Lord <laughs> said, you're going to read the book of Ezekiel. And sure enough, you know, Ezekiel 36, 26, mm -hmm. God says, I will take your heart of stone and transform it into a heart of flesh. And at the time, we were living on a road called Stony Road in a town called Stony Brook at a school called Stony Brook. Uh, not lost on me, right? Right. And within those next three months, I was baptized, uh, mm. entered into counseling, began radical healing from trauma, was diagnosed right. with PTSD. Like so much happened in that season. And here's the interesting thing. All these years later, new new church, new pastor, two weeks ago, preaches on Stony Heart and Ezekiel 36, 26 again, and, and becoming a new creation. And what is right. the story God is writing on our hearts? And so I, I, it is not lost on me that God is doing something amazing inside of me and healing places in my heart that have still been filled with stones that need to come out and, and create an altar of remembrance, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's not just that he turns the heart of stone to the heart of flesh. Like, I literally can't prove this, but my visual mind sees him, like, going in with his hand, taking out the stones and, like, setting them there and saying, this is what you've been through, but this is not who you are now. Right. This is what you believed, but this is not your operating system anymore. Right. And, and the the flesh that grows over that place that that stone took um, as part of him revitalizing us and restoring us and making us into his, his uh, just child, holy, chosen, mm -hmm. dearly loved mm -hmm. uh, child. Well, and we, I've said this before, but, you know, it's, it's that never-ending process. And I was just reading something about, you know, farming, I think it was uh, Jennifer. Uh, yeah, she, yeah. We had her on the podcast on that. Yeah. But, right. then, you know, like you plow it up and the next year there's still more rocks that come to the surface. I know. And you're like, where do all these things come from? Yes, exactly. exactly. And yet, you know, again, there's, it's like this continual growth. Um, yeah. Yeah. That he wants to do in us. And, and I guess that really goes back to John 15 of that. He's like producing more. Like it's yeah. always this mind, like God is a God of, of the more, you know, yeah. and yet I left you a message just this week, right? With tears yeah. of like, why do I not believe or why do I get tripped up on God's goodness? Like mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. there. And yet, you know, I'm waiting for the, when's it going to be retracted? And it's such a false mentality. Like I know it from scripture that that's false. Yeah, um, but that's obviously it's just the devil's lies that he wants to keep sowing of like, well, why do you still have this issue? Why is there another stone or, you know, God's goodness is going to run out and yeah. those yeah. things are incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's so kind to show us only what we're able to mm -hmm. handle. And maybe at times it feels like we can't handle it. I know three or four weeks ago I was in a pretty bad way and thought, done. Yeah. I can't yeah. handle this. Um, and, and the Lord said, no, you can. And he did that through people that were in my life to remind me of that. And, and, you know, he, 
so it's not to say that his goodness is not without suffering. Sure, we know right. that in Jesus, good night, like he died on the cross for the forgiveness yeah. of our sins. He suffered for all mankind for all time. Yeah. Um, and that that suffering was God's goodness. Right. Uh, so economy-wise, I think it's hard to get our head around how how is a good God also a God of suffering? Right. Uh, but he, he is a good God who's a God of suffering who also prunes, right? right. And I, 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 I hate pruning. I hate doing it. Right. I, I, I think that it's got to get better. You know, if it just try harder, if this little bush yeah. just tries harder, <laughs> it will make it. And, um, you know, God says, yeah, you sometimes need to cut things out yeah, in order to have the growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that growth is promised, you know? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I know. It's interesting. My son's out with the hedge trimmers pruning back all the bushes <laughs> as we speak. And he, he, you know, in the right timing, it creates such beauty. Yes. Right? If, mm-hmm. if he prunes at a different time of year, it's not going to look as beautiful. Correct. So there's another pruning yeah. <laughs> metaphor. That's a whole other analogy. We can That's use. a whole other analogy. <laughs> yeah. When is the appropriate time to prune? That is something to seek the Lord on. <laughs> um, well, Kaylee, I'm so grateful that you were with me today to have this conversation and to really talk about God's word. Would yeah. you be willing to close us in prayer? Lord, uh, we thank you for this time, and I just ask that you please be with each one of our listeners and be with us as well as we continue to listen for um, your direction in each one of our lives, that you would continue to show us where we need to prune and that you would fulfill your promise in us that you will produce much fruit um, as long as we stay connected to you and that we would thank you with our whole hearts and minds and that you would show us uh, the direction that we should each take because we're each on our own journey and you have great plans for all of us. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad we were able to do this and that the podcast will continue through December of 2021. So it is uh, not being pruned, even though the Let Go and Live episode, right. uh, this will be technically the last and the first. Um, there we go. So, yeah, necessary endings and new beginnings. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best but not sure what that looks like, head over to moretobe.com slash align to take our quiz and find out. You can also join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get access to a library of Bible study content and biblically-based coaching resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day and align with his best.